Welcome everyone to the Tune Under podcast, uh, another episode of the Southern Hemisphere's only dedicated Newcastle United podcast, as far as we're aware anyway. Uh, joining me today from Melbourne is Mitch, Show, uh, Demi, as we like to call him, um, angry uh, Andy Carroll lookalike, apparently, according to Lee. Uh, so how are you doing, Demi? Good, mates. It's, uh, it's happy days supporting Newcastle at the moment. I don't know what to do with myself. We're winning games every three or four days where... Top top half of the table. It's just uncharted territory. I'm pinching myself. Yeah, it's heady days, heady days. And yeah. uh, we've got a special guest today, uh, Daniel Garb, who is quite well known in Australia and uh, would like to get him in his own words to tell us a bit about himself uh, and uh, how he came to support Liverpool. Uh, take it away, Daniel. How are you doing? Good, lads. Thanks for having me on. Um, no, thanks for coming on. Football with... Um, with opposition fans, I mean, I've been on the the United podcast in Australia. That was good fun. I've been on a couple of times. If um, if I can get through a show without us abusing each other, I'm sure I can do it with Newcastle fans. So <laughs> this should be um, it should be enjoyable. Oh, mate, <clears throat> became a Liverpool fan in '89. First game I remember watching was the FA Cup final that year. We beat Everton three two. I was only five or six years old, um, but I just remember watching it and thinking. Watching them sing You'll Never Walk Alone and not really understanding what they were singing about. And it was obviously just after Hillsborough as well. But realising there was something special about the club for me. Liverpool won the game 3-2. I was obsessed with John Barnes. That was it for me. I was sold. So um, it was tough to support in those days. I'm not sure how old you boys are. But, you know, those are the days without, without uh, you know, cable TV like we have now. And it was obviously without the internet it was tough to follow and get those results and the feedback that you do at the moment um, and Liverpool were pretty average as well but I stuck with them and I'm obviously reaping the rewards now so yeah they mean a lot to me of course and uh, thoroughly enjoying the position position we're in at the moment going for the quadruple obviously and your boys are the uh, the next hurdle for us in terms of the league Indeed, it's uh, it's kind of interesting to hear you 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 say about that because I mean I when I started supporting Newcastle I was living over in Perth at the time, uh, and yeah it was like kind of websites on a on a Friday check out what what the latest gossip is who we're going to sign and then you'd sort of log in on the Monday and see who's who's won. Um, it was that's all you were getting. Uh, I remember going to the FA Cup final. Um, Newcastle against uh, Arsenal, I think it was, and and it was literally in this top floor deck of um, some dodgy nightclub, really sketchy um, SBS signal. It was that was all we had. So you know, you made the best of it, and uh, yeah, like you, I think we're we're we're, we're reaping sort of the benefits now of of all those hard hard yards put in, uh, supporting them through thick and. Uh, Thick and thin, so it's been, yeah. been quite good, yeah. Well, I mean, the internet was a blessing. I remember the days when you literally have to wait till a Monday and Tuesday morning and go to the back of the paper and read the classified results to yeah. find out how they went. There were no articles on how Liverpool went on the weekend. There might be like one Premier League article, but you'd have to wait till the, the Monday morning to get the Saturday results, the Tuesday morning to get the Sunday night results, you know, in, in the paper, Jeez. in the, in the classifiers. You'd read through, maybe they'd have the goal scorers in brackets in a table like that's that's how we grew up with like one live game a year the fa cup final that's all yeah. you got and like the highlight show on a monday night which obviously was something you yeah. waited for so yeah different times but uh you know it makes us love our clubs even more because we know that we put in a lot of effort to follow them back in those days 
Yeah, it's interesting as well with, um, obviously, you're involved in um, commentary and, and sort of sport in general in Australia. So you'll have seen the development through a lot of sports. But I think the the development of how well the Premier League is marketed overseas now and how available it is to everyone. Uh, I mean, I still find it weird that we in Australia get all the games live. We can watch any game we want, any highlights we want. And the poor bastards over in the UK um, have got to find dodgy streams to find all their 3 p.m. kickoffs. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I lived there for five years. You probably lived through it as well. I mean, it's, it's hugely frustrating. But when you live there, you, you understand why it exists. And it's a beautiful thing as to why it exists because it's all to protect lower league football yeah. so people still go to games i mean if you had the three o'clock premier league fixtures on all the time nobody would go support barnet or oxford or cambridge or you know plymouth because they'd be watching the premier league at three o'clock all the games and, and all the scores coming through right so yeah. Yeah. i love that they protect it it's a really good thing but yeah when you're over there it's it's a bit painful <laughs> hard work yeah so uh, obviously we're, we're both in some pretty good form. Um, I, I want to pull up uh, what we've put together as our, you know, our, our very rough idea of, of what the, the team selections are going to be. Um, so we'll pull up the Newcastle game team first. Um, so we've, we've, we're kind of thinking um, along the lines of where going back to what was serving us well. Um, we obviously changed things around for the Norwich game. We played well in that, but obviously Norwich are not a great side. So it's all, it's going to be a little bit more of a um, a, an easier game to sort of rest some players in. Um, and we had three games in seven days, so it was definitely worthwhile resting our players. But I think we're pretty much in, in uh, sort of uh, consensus that we've got our strongest side back out again if, if this is the team that we pick. So for those on audio podcast, uh, we're going for Debravka in goal, Craft, uh, uh, Shah, Byrne and Target as our back four, Bruno, Shelby and Joe Linton in midfield and uh, Almiron and Wood to come back in with ASM moving back out to the left. So Dimi, walk us through that. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think we that 11 deserve to be, to be the starting lineup. I mean, the performance against Palace probably deserved to, the players to keep their spot. I mean, it was the right thing to do in terms of the quick backup to, to Norwich to, to rest a couple. I think Almiron, as hard as he works, he probably deserved the rest. And Shelby as well was probably probably due for a rest. So I think that's that's spot on for the lineup. I think that's probably going to be our best lineup pending whether Trippier makes a makes a recovery this week or, or the week after. And, and Wilson hopefully not too far behind. But I think as it stands now, that's that's our best team. And I think will give us the best chance to cause Liverpool some sort of, hopefully some sort of threat on uh, on Saturday night, our time. Yeah. Um, anything there, Daniel, that sort of stands out to, um, as, a, as an issue for you guys? or There's a bit. I mean, you guys are going really well and it's a massive danger game for us. I have no doubt that City are looking at our fixtures just like we're looking at theirs and going, all right, which game can they trip up in? And this is one they'd be circling going, yep, yeah. <laughs> That's a tough one. Newcastle flying away from home, coming off Champions League. Yeah, that's one they might drop points in and and uh, you know give us some respite. We're looking at Wolves away. That's the game. Is like when's that fixture going to take place? That's the game where City might trip up or Leeds away if they're still battling relegation. Maybe they can fire up for one. So yeah, this is one that's a big concern. And that midfield three, I think, is the biggest worry because it, it's a strong one. It's a physical one. Shelby, Bruno, Joe it's experienced. You know, you could disrupt us a bit in midfield potentially. And if you can, just 
maybe even that contest in the middle against us a little bit, which is not easy to do. We're so strong in, in there. We're so strong all over the pitch, of course. But if you can, you know, then in Sam Maximan, you've got obviously on his day, one of the best attackers in the league who can cause us some problems. Obviously, back Van Dyke and, and Matip or Konate if he plays against Chris Wood because they're just such brilliant defenders. And I'd back our attackers to score against anyone. And looking at Burn and Shah, very good physically. But I think we can move them around if it's Jota or Diaz, obviously Salah and Mane. Their flexibility can disrupt any defence. But it's that midfield three that I look at and go, well, it's it's strong now. Bruno getting forward and starting to score goals. Shelby, I mean, I used to love watching him at Liverpool. I used to really like him. But he's just the most inconsistent footballer. Like, he can dominate. He is so talented. And he can tear a game yeah. apart and then lose you a game in five minutes just with yeah. an absolute yeah. brain fade. So he's got that in him. But if he holds it together, and he'll probably be fired up to play Liverpool, you know, you've got a very good midfield three that can match it against us. So that's the area of the park that concerns me the most. It's a good yeah, point, Michelle, because, yeah, sorry, Mark, I was just going to say, we reach on Joe because on his day, you're right, He's he's got all the talent in the world to be yeah. a top-line England international midfielder. It's all the extra stuff mentally, um, his lack of discipline on the pitch. That It's all that extra stuff that pre- precludes him from playing for a bigger club Ideally, we are a big club, but let's let's call a spade a spade. We haven't been any good for the last 20, 25 years. So, <laughs> Shelby, that even even though he was at Liverpool when you guys weren't at your at your top and you weren't challenging as such for for the title, if I'm if I'm right, he's he's got that talent. He's, when he was at Swansea, he was I think caught him um, all over all over England, all over Europe. So he is a frustrating one. I think Mark, especially previously, and he can back me up. He has has had his issues with Shelby in the past. I think we all have, but we do see there's a player in there and hopefully hopefully he brings out his best against you guys. He just has yeah, brain phase. Just... He can eliminate the yeah. brain phase from his game. He's fantastic, but he's too far gone in his career now to eliminate them. It's just yeah. who he is. You know, I just don't think he's the smartest footballer ever, but he's a very good one. Um, so you just have to accept him for what he is now. On his day, he's, he's still dynamic. Yeah, it's to be honest. Since House came in and we've we've had that that run of form, what what would I think we've seen is that lazy player, that inconsistent player, the one that doesn't want to track back. He just wants to try, you know, hopeful balls forward. He seems to be kind of like holding that in check, and he's trying, and he's pushing, and he's pressing players, and he's tracking back, and he's he's putting the effort in. It doesn't seem to be that same brain fade right at the moment. So he seems to be wanting to be involved in this new era of the club. Um, he's been here for a while, so he's obviously like decided, well, this is it, and I can actually make a difference here, and I can play, and maybe we can win something. So. Um, yeah, he, he seems to be trying his best now. So we'll swap over to um, what we've put down as our Liverpool side, but I will obviously hand over to you and let you walk us yeah. through who you think should be in there, who you think probably will or won't be out of that time, that team. I think that looks pretty spot on based on what we are likely to do at the time of recording tomorrow against Villarreal. So it looks like Henderson will be straight back in um, and that Diaz is going to start and that Canate could start. Those are the three players that we are constantly changing. So Kanate and Matip are basically changing almost every game. And then Henderson and Cater are changing not every game. Henderson's still the number one option, but when they want to just mix it up a bit, give him a rest, um, it's Cater that comes in. So Henderson's set to play tomorrow. Yeah, wouldn't surprise if Cater plays 
against Newcastle, but he could also start Henderson as well, depending on how things go against Villarreal. If we happen to do well, wants to bring someone off early, then they get more of a rest. That's possible. You'd think Jota would come back in because it looks like being Mane, Salah and Diaz, as I said, for Villarreal. You know, it's the kind of game, if he's right, I'm not sure if he's going to be that you'd see Bobby Firmino potentially starting just because it could be physical. Newcastle are going well. Spoke about that midfield that you've got up and running. They might want someone who can drop a bit deeper and just help out a little bit, get a foot on it. Maybe Bobby comes into the frame for this one, but that's likely to be how it is at the moment. And, you know, we've just obviously, we're a, we're a juggernaut right now. It's it's amazing to watch. And they're just so focused on every game. They're just a machine at the minute. So it's going to be a very tough test, but every game we play at the minute, we we back ourselves to win. That's just the mode we're in right now. Yeah, and it's nice to have that much quality to call on to be able to sort of rotate the squad like that and not actually feel like you're weakening in any particular area. Um, it's like, yeah, we could play this player or we could play this player. And, mm. you know, it depends on the day. It's like, yeah, it's, it's a nice thing to have. Um, hopefully, at some point, we're not relying on uh, some of our bench players that we have at the moment. We can actually build a bit more of a squad. Um, that was something that Mike actually didn't seem intent on because it cost more money. But um, yeah, I think you guys are seeing the seeing the benefit of having such a such a strong squad as well as like some top-notch first-team players as well. It just makes all the difference. Well, when your Saudi money kicks in, you, you probably will. Let's be honest, in the off-season, you'll have that in, those riches at your disposal, which I'm keen to ask you guys about that later on, actually. Just keen to get your thoughts on it all, but that, that's yeah. how it's going to materialise. Yeah, the signing of Diaz has changed everything. It's been an unbelievable acquisition. Yeah. He is so damn good. What a player. Yeah. How we got him for like under 40 million. Like most of our signings, like, you know, I'm a Liverpool fan and all that, but I'm sorry. Like, it's, it's amazing how we've got Jota, Salah, Mane, Diaz, all of them for like under 40 million pounds. It's ridiculous when you look at the market these days. Obviously, Robertson yeah. for 8 million is the steal of all time. But Diaz is like, you already look at him and you go, he's a 70, 80 million pound player. We got him for 40 house. Spurs had the inside running on him and we managed to nab it. And it's just, it's given everyone in the squad a lift, but, it, lift, but it's allowed us to rotate so much. And then Jota, let's not forget how long he was out for injured last season. Thiago's been injured on and off for the last two years, up until the last couple of months. And now we're seeing the benefits of him just being fit and, and up and ready every single game, giving us way more flexibility in there. And now we've got a ridiculously strong squad. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's um, it's a nice position to be in. It helps us at the moment when we have to get through so many big games. No, indeed. Uh, Demi, what's your thoughts? Scared? Yeah, it's it's quite it's quite it's quite daunting. Yeah, like like Daniel said. I mean, when you can talk about you got oh we might bring Firmino in, we might bring Diaz in. I mean, he hasn't even spoken about Origi, who always seems to come up with an important goal and an important game every every season. So it's just a, an embarrassment of riches for them. And I think like like Daniel said earlier, in terms of the pace up front, I think that's going to be the big problem, uh, the big worry for us this weekend. I think. The way we like to press and, and try to play a little bit more on the front foot these days with Eddie, I think that could be quite dangerous with the pace of Salah and, and Jota and, and Mane out front. I think that could be probably not a great one-on-one -on -one matchup when you've got Mane and Salah running at Big Dan Bird and, and Cher. That could be dangerous, but um, we just have to hope that uh, the Brazilian Dynamo, Dynamo dynamic duo in the middle can um, can control the game for us. Yeah, it's interesting that um, one of the one of the big standout games for me, where we really got punished for uh, playing 
our own kind of high press attacking football uh, against a very pacey counter attack team in Spurs, we got Spurs, absolutely yeah. slaughtered. Um, yeah. And my, my concern going into this game has always been they've got pace, they've got quality up front, and Liverpool are easily able to just pick us off on the counter attack if we start trying to you know, play above our station. We've done well, but let's not forget where we are and who we're playing um, and think that we're going to go out there and, and dominate the game because we're clearly not. Liverpool's got too much quality everywhere. We've got a good team spirit, but, you know, we need to kind of, you know, as you said before, we need to call a spade a spade and we need to really sort of um, realise exactly who we're playing and, and what we need to do to kind of like keep that game tight. Um, so we'll, uh, I just want to kind of quickly touch on the current league table, which, and the form table, obviously oh, that is, that us. is pretty impressive. <laughs> you got a I nose for, up there, boys. Oh, for oh, both teams, it's we've been, crazy. We've been, looking at the, we've been looking at the bottom six for the last three months and all of a sudden now we've turned the page. We're in the top yeah. half. Yeah. It's just like, crazy. We, we can like, we don't need a full table. We can just look at the top half. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's great. <laughs> Um, so yeah, obviously Liverpool's like on a fantastic run of form. It's it's clearly a must-win game for you guys. So I, I think everyone will be up for it. Obviously, Klopp's been trying to get it postponed. Um, hasn't happened. Uh our our current run of form um is just it's just been outstanding. Since since that Spurs game, I think you know the, the team's just been galvanized into a whole new level of of commitment to the cause um from from everyone even players who aren't necessarily playing regularly they're they're all seemingly like so happy when we score so happy when we win it's like seems everyone's in it together um what i what i am particularly worried about um and going into this game i was expecting you know give it Two or three games ago, I was expecting us to get absolutely slaughtered. Um, I thought we would we would come out of this four four nil, and that would be a good result for us. Because it's at home, I think, and how good we have been at home with the crowd on on everyone's side, I I do feel that there is that that chance of an upset, even though it might be remote. I still think we do have this chance of, you know on the day getting behind everyone liverpool being tired from from their trip away you know it, it is still there and i think you know it's going to be interesting to see um i think liverpool's got plenty of quality but you know maybe we can take advantage dimmy what how do you see uh see the game going we'll do our predictions at the end but um how do you reckon the game's going to go and you know look at the table it's, it's just a thing of beauty at the moment for us it's amazing isn't it i mean to think when we when we started this pod, and even even after we started this pod, we, in this turn of this turn of the year, if we thought we'd four games to go, we, when we looked at that like, last four games, we had Liverpool at home, City away, Arsenal at home, Burnley away. We all dreaded that last game against Burnley. We thought we've signed Chris Wood. What's going to happen? Newcastle style. It's going to come down to the last game. Chris Wood's going to play. He won't score. Whoever Burnley is signed up front, they'll score, we'll go down, we'll be the laughing stock again in the Premier League. But thank goodness it hasn't come down to that. And and now we can go to this game relaxed. We can go nothing to lose, not nothing to play for. Obviously, we still want to finish the season well, but we can go there with that added relaxation, so to speak, that we are safe, we're confident. We've won six in a row at home, which is unheard of ever since. I think the last time we did that was 03-04 under Bobby. Mm-hmm. Which is which is sensational. So, I mean, Liverpool, like you said, they're coming off they're coming off a of Champions League trip where 
Villarreal are going to give you a game. They're going to give you a tough game. They've been fantastic, especially the last two ties. Villarreal have been superb. So it's not going to be an easy game for Liverpool. So no. there might there might be there might be a chance, especially early, to maybe catch them off guard. Maybe there could be a an early 15, 20 minute blitz. We can try and snatch a goal and then just completely park the bus and hold on. Let's see, see how that goes. Yeah, I think you'll be better than that. It's going to be tough. Like, you know, at this stage of the year, I actually look forward to playing mid-table teams because you think their motivation levels are going to drop if they're not going for Europa League or trying to avoid relegation, even though teams fighting relegation are usually easier to play against. If they've got that one game where they're, they're maintaining the energy, it's tough. You think the mid-table teams, they're just waiting for the season to end. They can't go up. They can't go down. Um, you want them. But this is a different feeling because you're on such a, a wave of momentum and you're in such a good ride. Your fans want to keep it going. They'll be going into this game. Eddie Howe will be saying to them, how good if we can cap off this run by knocking off Liverpool, by affecting the title race? I mean, St. James's Park, I've been there a few times. It's going to be absolutely pumping um, for an occasion like this in the hope of beating Liverpool and making the headlines and having a day out to remember. So to be honest, I'm probably more scared about this game than I am Villarreal at home. Nothing again, like they're a very good team. It's going to be a tough tie. People who are saying... Liverpool have got an easy draw. I've got rocks in their head. Like, it's not going to be easy. But I somehow think it's going to be, because it's after the Villarreal game, short break, away from home, you're going so well. I think it's going to be a tougher game than the, the Champions League semi-final that we have at home, that we're likely to have on our own terms because we always do at home. So, yeah, I'm really worried about it. I mean, I'll back us to win. But it wouldn't surprise me if you, you nab something from the contest, which would be obviously a big setback for us. Yeah, so tight at the top there as well. So I don't think either either yourselves or City can really afford to drop any points anywhere. Really, even even a draw here and there is not going to do anyone any favors. So, um, so finally, I want to I want to address the the elephant in the room of the refereeing choice of this game, <laughs> uh, in particular the one on VAR. So the the Liverpool game early in the season, uh, a lot of Newcastle fans had some serious misgivings about um, uh, Mike Dean's performance on, on the pitch. And he is now in charge of the VAR for this game. Um, and given that and Andre Mariner is the actual referee in charge and we haven't won a game that he's refereed for God knows how long, um, th those are kind of like the omens for me that it's just like, yeah, this is not going to go well. <laughs> so... Um, one thing that we can look at as well is our head-to-head -head at St. James's Park, which isn't making particularly good reading for Newcastle either um, until we go back to the 2015-2016 season. So obviously we've had a couple of seasons outside the top flight in amongst uh, the last few years as well. Um, but, you know, the last the last few times Liverpool's been to St. James's Park, we've managed a couple of draws. Um, and to be honest, I would probably be happy if we manage that um but that's looking like some pretty good form um daniel what do you yeah. what do you make of the of the recent uh, form table well the game that stands out is the 3-2 in 1819 when origi scored that late winner um and hopefully we'll be channeling that like i imagine Klopp will be looking to it before the game or at halftime if it's even saying you know remember we did here last time and that, that stays in the players minds and and that's the the beauty of the position we're in right now like you just always know you're a chance of a late winner because we're just so mentally strong. Like United, we all saw United do it over and over again in the 90s. Like that's not luck. It's belief. Like they know they're going to create another couple of chances late and they're a good chance to take one. That's what we have in game. So it could well be tight. I mean, hopefully we 
we're two 0 up inside thirty minutes and we're feeling good. But there's it, a good chance that won't happen, um, and we might need a bit of late magic again, like Origi provided in that game. Maybe he has to come off the bench to do it once more. I wouldn't surprise if that's the case. So, yeah, I'm looking at a fixture like that as potentially a, a form line lead up to this one. That's fair enough. What about yourself, Demi? Yeah, like like Gabby said, I think that was, again, Liverpool going for the title. We didn't have much to play for. We were on a good run. It was, a, I think from memory, a Shakiri free kick into an Origi header in the 88th or 89th minute. It was a it was a shattered blow for us because we I thought we, we fought really hard that game and we thought we're, we're going to shape the title race here. But I think when Liverpool come up to St. James's Park, and, oh, historically Newcastle Liverpool has always been, a, obviously back in the Keegan days, always a great game and a decent little rivalry between the, the Geordies and the Scousers. So I think I think we're going to give them a game and I think there's there's form there, especially as I said, as we said before, our home form is so good at the moment that we're, we're almost growing an extra five ten percent when we when we step out on the pitch. We're not we're not scared anymore of the of the fans or the crowd. We're, we're sort of that atmosphere that war flags create with the with the tifos behind the goal and the and just the, the atmosphere at the ground. Now I think it gives our players that extra bit of belief and push that sometimes you need when you're not as good technically and not as good in terms of depth of squad and quality. It gives you that extra bit of belief and push. Twelfth man, as they say. To um to rattle to rattle some feathers. So hopefully um hopefully we can see a, a similar a similar game to eighteen nineteen, but uh, a slightly different result. Yeah, I mean it's it's my favourite ground that I went to in in the UK outside of Anfield. Um, I mean it was tough because it's, it's a long trip from London, but it's the ground I used to enjoy going to the most because it's one of the few stadiums that are in, like right in the middle of the city. You didn't have to get like another taxi from the train station. You just go straight there. There's always that buzz. And I just love the uniqueness of the one big stand and then the one small one. And you stick the frigging away fans up by the moon. Like it's ridiculous (laughs) where they put the away fans there. But um, it just pumps. It absolutely pumps. And even when you're going badly, like, you know, it'll go off because you're all furious, right? (laughs) But when you're going well at the moment, it's um, it'll be electric. So... Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, boys. Um, it's going to be a big night, Should derby one, but um, but bring it on. Yeah, just lo- used to love going to Newcastle. I'd get in the taxi and you know, first couple of times I was there, I'd ask him, what do you think of Mark Viduka? And, you know, they'd all start slating him, saying, yeah, he was a great player, yeah. but he earned much money and didn't turn up enough and and all that. So, you know, it always brings back good memories. And then you'd you'd go away from the ground and you'd see people getting on the on the Terps already in the city. And my goodness, that's the sight in Geordie Town, watching everyone getting ready for a big night out. Oh, my goodness. You'd see, like, you'd see a, a daughter with her mother and a grandmother all out together. Like, <laughs> no way. <laughs> it's loose. It is loose. In the middle of winter with their spaghetti string tops on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, mini, like the grandmother wearing the same kind of skirt as her granddaughter. Like, no, no dramas there. Oh, I love God. it. Just unique and fun and... Always, there's always a buzz around that place when there's a big game. Yeah, on. it's um, it's an early kickoff. Uh, so we've actually got uh, there's a few meetups around Australia happening. Uh, I think the Pig and Whistle. We've got about thirty or thirty five people or so signed up to come along to watch the game um, from the Newcastle fans. Uh, I assume there's going to be plenty of Liverpool fans there, so it should be a good atmosphere. Um, Nine thirty yeah. kickoff in in uh, Eastern States, so that should be good. And I think yeah. Melbourne and Sydney have both got their own meetups as well. Yeah, the Liverpool Supporters Club will be pumping. It's hard at the moment because we've got so many big games. It's like as a fan, you've sort of got to pick it. 
Like for you guys, I'd imagine you'd circle this one and you go, yeah, that's the game I'm going out to the supporters club for. Yeah. Whereas for us, we've got an FA Cup final coming up. It's like we could have a Champions League final coming up. We could have the last game of the league season, you know, that we want to go. And you, some people can go every game, but others, you know, you've got to pick your, your late nights and your your Saturday night away from the misses and all that. So <laughs> it's a bit trickier for us. Whereas for you guys, I can understand this is one that is like, nah, we've got to go to that one yeah. to watch with the, with the supporters club. Yeah, well, the, the early kickoffs are always a, a good thing. Yeah, nine thirty. Nine thirty yeah, kickoff right. is fantastic. So it's a it's it's you can do it both. I'm I'm I've sort of planned the night. I hope my missus doesn't listen to this afterwards, but <laughs> I've sort of planned the night. We're going for dinner at seven and I said, Look, dinner's at seven, but if we hang around to the city a bit a bit after dinner, we'll, can we just we'll, we'll just pop by and watch watch the Geordies play at nine thirty? How about that? She's ah, oh, <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, <laughs> Yeah, so it's no, it's a per- it's a perfect time, and like we said, it's um hopefully for for both of us, it's a good game. But um, I think there's going to be a lot more nerves from your perspective, Darby, because like you, yeah, like you can see the table. I think any drop points from now between now and the end of the season is probably going to be curtains for for either of you. I mean, we do play both Liverpool and City in back to back games, so we have the potential to shape it. But I can't see us getting anything at, at Manchester City, but yeah, you, you you never know, but it it is so. It's almost like that season a couple of years ago where you both finished on was it 90, 90 something points, and it was just exact same. not yeah. yeah. No one was no one was dropping any points. So it's it's one of those games that hopefully um, hopefully it lives up to its uh, its billing. Yeah, well, I mean, if we don't, yeah, if we manage to knock you off, then hopefully you got the fire to to shape the title race when you take on City. That'd be great for us. Yeah. Can I ask Indeed. you guys, I'm keen to know, like I mentioned it before, like how do you feel about what's happening in Newcastle? I'd love to know your thoughts. Do you have reservations about who your new owners are? Are you just happy to have money in the club and look forward to getting back up there? How quickly do you think you'll be able to be a potential title contender? I'd love to know what you guys think about that stuff. I'll, I'll let Demi answer that one first. I've got some thoughts on that. So honestly speaking, um, Anyone post Ashley was was going to get all my support. It was such a rough ride supporting Newcastle under Ashley. I mean, it was having to tap to go through two relegations in the last twelve or so seasons is is disgraceful, really, for a club like us. So that was anyone to come and come and buy the club after Ashley was going to get our support. The fact that it's Saudis and there's unlimited money is obviously it gives that you that little bit of extra belief that your club can do something. I mean, obviously there's always going to be that and don't get me wrong. I'm not condoning what, what the Saudis do, but all across the world in football, in sport, in any walk of life, there's always going to be shady dealings. There's always going to be reservations about where the money comes from or what people do. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm not sure what Mark's opinion is, but I'm a football fan. I don't get involved in the political side of it. So if, if the Saudis stump up the money and invest into the into the city and invest into the club, I'm going to support that that ownership and I'm going to support. Obviously, we want Newcastle to do well as as fans. And these days, the only probably lesser city aside, the only way to, to do anything in in the top line of football is to have to have money. So for me, I I try to separate the political side with with football. I'm a football fan. I don't like when journalists have a go at Newcastle fans saying, oh, why aren't you outraged about this? Why aren't you outraged about that? Because 
at the end of the day, we're just football fans supporting the black and white and hoping we get the three points every week. So for me, it's it's a it's a separate it's a separation for me that I can I can make in my mind and not feel guilty as such that the what the Saudis' history is and the, and they're investing in that club in terms of where how long I think it'll take us to get up there. That's probably an FFP question. Let's let's see how long that lasts. And I think there's been a little bit of relaxation recently about those rules, so that might favour us as well. It'll probably take us. I mean, Man City didn't. In terms of when they got taken over, then the next season they didn't win the title. It took them two or three seasons to build a squad. So I think it'll be similar for us. Probably three to five seasons, I would say, it'll take for us to build a challenging squad. But I think if you're saying top six, top eight, I think we can get there in the next year or two because that that seems like a revolving door. West Ham have come up there now. Mm. Tottenham and Arsenal are doing well this season, but they've been inconsistent. So I think top six, eight is definitely achievable next year and the year after. But in terms of challenging you and Liverpool and Man City, I think that's going to take probably three to five years at least to build a, a squad depth and something that's capable of competing week in, week out. Yeah, I, I, I kind of, um, we, it was interesting. We had Adam Peacock on uh, the podcast and one of his thoughts, I, I do resonate with me. Um, it's, we support the club, you know, We've supported the club all through through the hard years um, under Ashley. We've supported the club before Ashley. We've supported the club as long as we can remember. Um, we can't just stop supporting the club that we love just because yeah. new owners come in. We can disagree with their with their politics. We can disagree with their policies, but at the same time, I don't agree with just like oh well, they shouldn't be involved because of such and such and such and such. And it's sports watching. It may be, but you have to give them a chance to change as well. You can't just go yes, well, you know, this is what you are, and you're not allowed to get involved because of that. Now, yes, we we may debate all day. I think it's definitely worth Newcastle fans knowing and understanding more about the regime in, in Saudi Arabia and what they do represent. But in terms of support being an, any kind of effect on supporting Newcastle United as a fan, I just don't see that as as a, as a major thing for me. Um, you can separate the two. Um, the owners do not di- dictate who supports the club. Um, but the one thing to note as well is... We have Amanda Staveley and um, the Rubin brothers who have also bought into the club and they're the ones that are kind of running the day-to-day sort of parts of the club and they just seem to be loving every minute of it. Um, they're, they're out on the pitch having a kickabout after the game. They're in the team rooms having like the photos of celebration after we get a win. Uh, they, they just seem to be genuinely enjoying it. And so from that point of view, I think we can kind of enjoy having those owners in charge while still having like a, a, con, a, a moral conscience that is separated from that. From in terms of um, speed of turnaround, uh, realistically, I was expecting that a seventeenth place finish would have been great this mm-hmm. season. Um, so to be up in ninth spot at the moment, we're playing well. We seem to have found players who want to play again. Um, I think adding a little bit more quality in the summer, um, adding a little bit of squad depth in the summer will go a long way to us competing for that top half regularly and pushing pushing the European spots. I don't think we'll get it next season. And to be honest, we don't have the squad depth at the moment to, to really cope with the European campaign. And that's my big concern. If we get there, great. If we don't, then it's, it's a good building process. And 
from the the new owner's perspective that they're, they're trying to build the club as a whole um they're, they're pushing the women's football uh women's newcastle team they're playing their first ever game at st james's park um tonight i think it is nice. uh they they've so it's huge step forwards and um forward in that uh, they're, they're looking to recruit a lot of academy players so that they can build for the future. They're looking to improve the training ground so that they have better facilities for the players. So they're looking to expand St. James's Park up to about 60,000 um, capacity so that they've got more people able to get into the ground. So they're, they're looking at putting all of this sort of stuff in place as well. And I think until that's in place, there's no point throwing money at it because you're not going to have the infrastructure to keep it sustainable. Yeah, um, sure. But... I'd say probably two seasons, and I think we'll be competing for top six, maybe. Um, but yeah, as as Demi said, I think it's it's going to be a lot harder to push into that, you know, championship kind of race like Man City did because yeah. Man City's there, Chelsea's there, Liverpool's there, yeah. Man United are going to spend big again. You know, Tottenham is still spending. There's there's a lot of teams in and around there now, so it's a little bit more more mouths to feed at the dinner table sort of thing. So we are going to have to build up slowly and make it sustainable. So, yeah, I'd yeah. say within two years, sort of pushing up, maybe trying to get a good cup run, win a cup here and there um, within five years, maybe sort of maybe pushing into the top four Champions League spots. But hopefully hopefully it comes sooner. Yeah, being a golfer, I equate it to like, if you're an 18 handicap and you decide to really focus on your game and get lessons and work hard, you can come down to a 10 handicap really quickly. But then getting from like a 10 to a 5, that's really difficult. Now, that's kind of what Newcastle are right now. Going from relegation mm. to a top half team, that's easy. You buy a few players. But then going from top half to top six and then a title contender, that's like a massive step. Yeah. But, you know, the, the pockets are deep. So there's a fair chance you'll be able to uh, to give yourself a good crack at it. I'm happy for Eddie Howe. Always liked him and liked the way he goes about his football. So you've done well there with your managerial appointment. Um, it is sports washing, but... As you guys said, I agree. It's not for you guys to sit there and all of a sudden stop supporting your club because of it, because that's that's unfair on you. You've supported your club forever. Why should you stop? Because of something you had no control over. But, yeah. you know, I think the, the speaking out over it and the highlighting that this is what they are actually trying to do is to improve the image of Saudi Arabia. That's important, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't go to the game yeah. or look forward to watching your team win games of football. Um, you, you should embrace that still because that's your club. But I don't think there's anything wrong with calling out the other stuff along with it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's great. It's great for the league to have Newcastle up and going. It is. It makes it a more vibrant Premier League. That is for damn sure um, because you're a massive club and you add a lot to it and it's um, it's healthy. So we get to see that on Saturday night with a game that everyone's all of a sudden looking forward to. No, it should be it should be good. So uh, we'll uh, we'll not spend too much longer on this. Um, we've kind of uh, talked about the game. Um, we'll have a quick quick recap of who's uh, who's tipping what for the game. I am going to personally go for a two one loss, but that's me being realistic. I haven't got my my dimmy uh, uh, crystal ball out of of optimism here. So dimmy, what's your what's your prediction? Because you've, you've you're on a roll at the moment. I am on a roll, so I've been thinking about this all day. I, my my heart wants to say it's lucky number seven. We're gonna we're gonna somehow snatch it an RC one 0 win, but um, my head does say that Liverpool are gonna be too strong. They've got too much to play for. So 
I'm actually going to predict the same score that we, we had in 18-19 to 3-2. I don't think it'll be a last-minute winner. Hopefully not this time. Well, that'll be a, a messy Saturday night if it is. But hopefully not a last-minute winner. Hopefully it's it's a good game now. I think it'll be a 3-2 loss. And um, I think the, the fans will walk off. They'll probably be cheering us off and applauding the effort because I think if we can... If we can compete with Liverpool in this game and, and really take it up to them, that really shows us how far we've come in four or five months under Eddie Howe compared to where we were under the previous manager, who, by the way, is not going to get West Bromwich Albion promoted. So good job, West Brom. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, sadly, I might, my run of predictions of, of wins is over. I'm going to predict a, a 3-2 loss. Hopefully I'm wrong and my, my run ends, but uh, I'm going to predict a 3-2 loss. Yeah, I think three one. I think three one to uh, to Liverpool. I, I can see it being tight. You can see it being two one for a while, and then as you push numbers forward a little bit, you know, we might grab one on the counter attack and and close it out. So not an easy three one, but a tough three one is how I see it going. Um, on what will be a very tough test. Yeah, I, as long for me, as long as they come out of it and they don't get embarrassed like the Spurs game, then I'll actually be quite impressed. It's like just fight it through. You know, realistically, it's not going to affect us staying up. It's not going to affect the rest of our season. Um, I think just give a good account of themselves and, and see how they go, um, and then and then move on and onwards and upwards. Um, looking forward to next season. So um, we probably don't have much time to go through much else. Um, I'm going to give Dimmy a chance to ask some questions if he wants to ask some questions. I know he's dying to to have a chat to you. We'd love to probably have you back on and if you're up for it and, and maybe go through some some local sport. And uh, yeah. obviously, I know you were at the you were calling the game for for Buddy's thousandth goal for the mm -hmm. AFL for um, for the the Aussie Rules football. Um, so that must have been a huge 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 uh event for you to to be able to commentate on that game um but dimmy i'll let you uh let you take it away and ask some questions yeah so just two real pressing ones for me that i've wanted to ask wanted to ask it's obviously not short answers but um my first one would be where where do you see the a league at the moment i mean i'm a all for full disclosure i'm an avid melbourne victory supporter go week in week out travel away passionate um and obviously our club's doing very well this year. We've got we've got a massive supporter base, but I'm quite concerned with the the overall the overall production of the league, the the lack of interest, the lack of support. Um, Paramount Plus has been hit and miss. The the coverage hasn't been hasn't been great. So I'm just wondering your thoughts of where do you think the league is at, and how how much trouble do you think? we as a code in Australia are in at the moment in terms of getting the A-League to a, a decent level? The, the league's in a tough spot. There's no doubting that. I mean, COVID's had an impact, of course, but I think, you know, unfortunately, the new TV deal, people haven't jumped on as much and, and you've got one game that's on free-to-wear every week, which is great and exposed to a lot of eyeballs, but, you know, People have run into subscription fatigue in life in general. So signing up for another streamer just didn't grab, unfortunately, enough viewers and, and that's affected things. And then you have COVID on top of that and fixture disruptions and a lot of people just became very dismissive of, of the A-League very quickly. And 
I saw it recently. There was a, a kid I went to school with. I'm going to school with him. Sorry, he went to my school. He's a lot younger than me. Who debuted for the Perth Glory a couple of weeks ago, and I messaged some mates, and everyone was messaging around from my school, old school friends, saying this kid's starting for the Glory, making his debut. And I had mates message me saying, um, "What's it on? Is it on Fox? Can I watch it on Fox?" And these are actually guys who are football fans, and some of them who used to watch a lot of the A League. I'm like, are "You guys serious? Like it's been on <laughs> Paramount <laughs> all season." Um, but that's where it is, unfortunately. And they just go, I go, like, it's like two bucks a week to sign up. It's like, it's less than a coffee. Like, what the hell? But that's the way it is, unfortunately, at the minute. And that's the situation. People have got subscription fatigue from COVID and signing up to so many providers that they just don't feel like doing it again. And they can't be bothered. And the A-League isn't grabbing them enough. So we need to find a way in the off-season to change that. Whether it's marquee signings or whatnot, we need to find a way to change that. And that's on the bosses to to get more people to sign up or you change the deal in some ways to get more people to watch. Um, it's Do important. you think marquee signings are the the way forward? I mean, obviously, I'm a Perth Glory fan and Daniel Sturridge has been a, a mitigated, unmitigated disaster uh, for us as a, as a, as a trophy signing. Um, and quite often, I feel like the, the marquee signings are, are not quite... They're there as a name, but you don't get the performances out of them. So you're not seeing the quality on the pitch to yeah. generate the interest and, and push the other players forward. I still think they are the best answer if you can get them right and then if you can maximise them. It's a very difficult thing to do because, you know, you've got to get the player at a good enough level. Like I know if Daniel Sturridge had come here and delivered on what we thought he might be able to do and banged in seven goals in three games, people would have subscribed. I want to watch yeah. that. You know, I want to watch Daniel Sturridge in the A-League tearing it up. I'll pay my money now. Like, it's, it is as simple as that, unfortunately. So, yeah, I think marquees are a, are a huge... It's just the way we are in Australia. We're, we're a, a nation full of, of Euro snobs in a big way. With the amount of people that are obsessed with the Premier League and obsessed with European fo football and international football, but don't care about the A-League. I mean, it, it saddens all of us because we like our Aussie teams and we watch it for what it is. We don't sit there and go, this is rubbish. We don't sit there and compare it to a Premier League game. We watch it because it's our football in our backyard, right? And that's how it should yeah. be for everyone. But not everyone's the same as us. So people look at it that way. That is our market. We need to find a way to, to bring those people in. And then when they do come in, keep them there. You're not going to keep all of them. Some will always just come for the the ride of the marquee or a team that's winning. But you can keep some if you market to them correctly. And, yep, hopefully um, they can do that in time. Marquees are certainly not the only solution. There's got to be many more. But um, I think it would help. And then plenty of other ways to to get people to sign up and get bums on seats in games and generate some more excitement. It's, it's been up there before. It's in a lull now. I think it can get up there again for sure. But um, it's in a tricky spot at the minute, obviously. Yeah, definitely. Demi, you had another question? Yeah, I agree with what Daniel said. It's, it is it is a tricky spot, but um, it's the, the league has shown here and the interest probably mid-2010s was probably at its peak when Wanderers first came in and crowds were buzzing, victory crowds were big, Wanderers crowds were big. Everyone had the, the intensity on and off the pitch was fantastic. So I think there's definitely scope there to get people back invested in, in the game. It's just... Tapping into that is the, the million-dollar question. But, um, yeah, the, the last thing I wanted to ask you, Garby, was Socceroos, what, what do you think about uh, our situation at the moment? I'm not 
I, I dare say you're probably like like most of us thinking we're not too confident of getting through here against the UAE, UAE let alone getting through Peru. So what do you think our chances are to, to get through that game? And were, were you were you happy that they stuck by Arnold or did you think we needed a change to, um, oh, to go into those two games? No, I thought it was probably time for a change. Um, I thought Arnie had a crack at it. It looked like the belief, his own belief, had dropped off to a point where it was time to make a change. And, you know, for me, you, you go to your person who's your your option for the next four years and say, well, why not have a free crack at the playoffs? Like, if you, we don't get through, it doesn't affect your standing whatsoever, but have a free crack at it. We might get through and you can go to a World Cup. We just need a change. So why not, if you want the job after Arnie, why not take it now? That, to me, seems like a logical way to go about it. But I don't think they were far enough in that process. And then you just got to stick with the person who you've got. Maybe the time off between the end of qualifiers and those June games refreshes everyone, refreshes him, refreshes the squad. We can regroup and have two big games and make it. UAE will be difficult. I watched them, watched them beat us at the Asian Cup in the quarterfinals. I was there. They're a good team. They were missing players. We were missing players. But they got it done. They were in their own backyard. But still, they beat us. Um, Qatar will be like a second home for them even though we've played a lot there. So I reckon that's a 50-50 game. But, and then if you get past them, Peru is very difficult as well. Like Peru would have had a long break before that game. They'll be well rested. How, how much football have they played in Qatar though? Um, you know, maybe they'll find it a bit difficult to adjust to, although I'm sure they'll go there and acclimatise. It's such a big game for them. We'd have had a week break. We had that win against UAE. We'll, you know, we'll feel good about things. It's a chance for us to cause an upset, but they deserve to go in as favourites. If they've knocked out a Colombian side with Luis Diaz and, and a, a Chilean side with all their players, I mean, it's going to be tough, right? But, um, yeah, look, I'd, I'd say it's very unlikely from where we are, but two games, a few months off to rejuvenate, hopefully, hopefully. All we can do is hope. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, fingers crossed. It's uh, just um, that Australian Australian fighting spirit when it comes to, to football, really. It's like it always seems to be there. So yeah, hopefully if they can tap into that and after their rest and, and pull pull something out for us and uh, yeah, give us another 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 World Cup under the belt to to get behind. Not that I'm looking forward to the time zone differences for that one either. <laughs> no, exactly right. But um, yeah, it'd be great to be there. It's, it's always very, very special. But yeah. Um... Hard to know what will happen. It'd be a big shame if there's a World Cup without Australia in it. We've grown so accustomed to it. Yeah. Um, so we may as well call it there. Um, we'll let you go. Thank you very much for joining us. It's been really good to have a chat uh, about all things Liverpool and Newcastle for tonight. Um, it's been been a pleasure having you on. Um, thank you for anyone who's watching and listening uh, to the podcast. Please like, subscribe, tell your mates. Um, sort of get us the, the exposure. We're doing really well and we're having a ball doing this as well. So uh, let's keep that one going. So thanks very much, guys. Uh, Demi, uh, pleasure seeing you again. Thanks, mate. Take care. No worries. And thanks very much, Daniel, for for popping on. It's been, it's been an absolute pleasure. No worries. Thanks for having me on, boys. And uh, go the Reds. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Thanks, lads.